This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. You can tell that everyone is back from the holiday break in earnest. It's nice on a live television show when you can react to breaking news. Brock Richardson just had that opportunity in the sports chat, the Toronto Maple Leafs signing William Nylander to an eight-year, $92 million deal. Well, Stephen Scott of Double Tap on AMI-audio has some breaking news from Apple saying good morning to Stephen. Stephen, I think there's an opportunity for William Nylander to spend some of that money on some new Apple gear if he wants to. (laughs) Absolutely. Good morning, Dave. Uh, Happy New Year to you. And yes, we are starting with breaking news uh, that Apple's Vision Pro product, that is the uh, headset that is uh, due to launch from Apple. We all knew it was coming uh, the early part of this year. We got the official announcement this morning that it will be uh, starting shipping on February 2nd. Pre-orders begin January 19th. This will be, unfortunately, in the US only. Boo! Boo! Um, but I will say this. Uh, before you get too excited, you might want to know the price of this. Uh, $34.99. And I don't mean 3 4 uh, and then the comma. <laughs> I think the comma is, is important in this to put before the 4. So $3,499 dollars US, Ooh. a heck of a lot of money. Um, but this is a headset with quite a difference because this is moving into this new world of what Apple calls spatial computing, a phrase you're going to hear a lot about in uh, 2024. And ultimately, this is a product which is going to change the, the way we use our computers because this puts our computer onto our heads. Although you'll still need a MacBook, you'll still need an iPhone. They're not, you know, <laughs> they're not daft over there at Apple. You know, they, they know how to get you to spend your money. But uh, this <laughs> Stephen, at, is coming. At, at the very least, they're going to make you buy a charger. At the very least, they're going to make you buy a special Absolutely. charger. Special <laughs> cables, all that stuff is going to be required. Uh, I will also mention, and this is an interesting one for us, especially in the low vision world, because I know this is something that for me personally, I don't think I'm going to get much out of as a product. It's the one Apple product I've said I probably won't buy uh, because it's just too visual at, at the moment. Uh, there's not enough in this for me. Yes, accessibility is going to be at the core of this. They've said that already. But in terms of what actual features exist, I don't want to spend my time with voiceover on the Apple Vision Pro headset, just go arrowing up and down menus uh, and say, oh, look, the settings again. That was really cool. Let's do it again. Oh, look, you know, look, look at all the accessibility features. But there's no apps in there that I can actually use. But for people who are low vision, you might want to know that there are options for prescription glasses. The, the pricing has come out for them today as well. Uh, the uh, basic reading uh, lenses will cost $99, while prescription lenses will start at $149. That coming as optical inserts from Zeiss. Um, this is the interesting bit. It says uh, that uh, this will be available on- online only, which is fair enough. A valid prescription is required. Not all prescriptions are supported. Right, right. Now, I've seen this story before. And when that, what that can mean is there are certain types of eye conditions that may not be able to be supported by the, the lens capability inside this device. So this is going to be a product that is going to be good for a lot of people. I don't know how many low vision people are going to love it, and I don't know how many blind people are going to love it. We shall see. 
Yeah, Stephen, I think that's probably the big distinction between mixed reality headsets or these very particular headsets, whether it's the Apple uh, Vision Pro, whether it's the uh, the MetaQuest that Facebook's been uh, been developing versus some of the stuff that you've been on, which is the smart glasses, right? There's a distinction to be drawn here between what could be sort of a lower impact assistive device rather than something that is a gargantuan headset that is maybe not being designed for operation out in the real world. Yeah, and this is definitely not for the outside world, right? I mean, the, the, the design of this is very much like you're wearing a gigantic pair of ski goggles. It's kind of reminiscent of a lot of the other virtual reality headsets, although Apple are at pains to say that they're not developing virtual reality here. They want to create this spatial computing world where you can live within the world you're in, so you can see the world around you, and, and on top of that, you can then overlay this virtual world on top. And that could be, for example, a gigantic screen. You could have a 200-inch TV, you know, and watch Netflix on it. Or now with Dave Brown. <laughs> you should, um, yeah, absolutely. You should. Um, but, you know, th this is the kind of functionality. And I think that the potential here is huge for blind and low vision people. I will say that at the day one, I don't know because it's very early and there has been lots of conversation going on in the background about how many developers have been actively building for this platform. And of course, the number of those that are accessibility focused will probably be quite limited as well. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens here. I think this is the kind of product that in a year's time, it might be worth having a serious conversation about because at that point, it might be the case that there's apps worth our time. But I will say that I think a lot of us are holding out for version 2 or version 3, which might be smaller, slimmer, and be able to be used outdoors. Yes, Stephen, that might be a, 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 a microcosm of the greater disability experience within technology, that oftentimes there's, I'm going to wait three or four days after a software update before I yes. allow my phone to be updated, and maybe I'm not going to be the earliest adopter on a new piece of technology, because perhaps they have not figured out all the disability angles yet. Like you say, a ton of potential here. I, I, I'd say especially for someone like me who's legally blind, a lot of this headset technology does offer incredible potential, but until you can make a true use case for me, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shell out the dough. No, and I could. So you, I'm thinking about with all of this. I'm thinking you could potentially benefit here, but again, to drop that kind of money. You need to be really sure what you're yeah. getting for that. So I think there's a lot of sales to be done here for, on the part of Apple, on the part of developers. You know, Apple will say, well, we build the hardware, the developers build the pro really build the products people buy. You know, what would an iPhone be without all the apps that are on it, right? It would yes. just be a phone with a, a messaging system on it, which, you know, doesn't work with Android. Let's not go there. Um, but, you know, I just, <laughs> I just think that when it comes to it, this is a product that's kind of waiting for a really great app to drop. I mean, you know, for in the blind world, it's be my eyes it's ira it's those kind of applications that are really great applications you know will they be able to utilize the cameras built inside this device will we be able to enjoy the spatial audio component amongst great spatial video could we for example have a situation where you'd be able to zoom so let's say you wanted to watch your television your 200 inch netflix tv and be able to zoom into components of that screen so that you can see it more clearly you know, even overlaying different lighting schemes or, you know, dark mode for your living room in a, on a sunny day. You know, these are the kind of things that I can really see being beneficial. So like I say, the potential is there. Uh, and I think a lot of that will be realized. 
but it ain't going to be on day one. It ain't going to be on February yeah. 2nd. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Stephen, let's uh, take a little bit of time here to talk about Samsung because they're up to mm. something interesting themselves here. They're trying to take a little bit more control of the production of their semiconductors, which ultimately means more control over the production of their chips for various pieces of technology. They're calling it the smart sensing system. Stephen, I think there's a bit of context needed here, at least the way that I look at the story. How much of this is about the semiconductor chip shortage that occurred during the pandemic? It's all about that. And it's not only that, it's also about companies racing to be number one in this market. This is a massive field uh, where there is a lot of money to be made by companies who are working hard in this space to develop these semiconductors. Now, most of us probably don't really understand how this technology works, and I could go into all the boring detail. Even I don't understand most of it. At the end of it, the, the, the day, what we're talking about here are the brains, the processors, the chips that go into our smartphones, our graphics cards, all of those things that power our technology. Now, in order for AI to be as popular and as capable as it is, we need more of these chips because you'll hear a lot of people talk about graphics chips from companies like NVIDIA who are creating these computer chips to develop graphical uh, graphic cards that can then run the AI software that can be the brain behind artificial intelligence. That's essentially how it all works. Now, you therefore need a lot of these chips to happen and be available, and there is a shortage, and they just get bought up and bought up. And I mean, Microsoft and OpenAI are working together on this at the minute, and I think Microsoft are buying pretty much anything they can get hold of. Um, and you know, even a company like that just cannot buy enough uh, and of course, this is just going to get worse and worse because the more and more of us who use artificial intelligence as more as it becomes part of our everyday experience, more of our everyday lives, this is something which is going to be required. What you're going to see a lot of in 2024 is technology built into computers. We're hearing about AI-powered laptops coming at CES this year, uh, and you know what that means is that you know the computing hardware that we own will do a lot of that brain work without having to go off to server farms outside to do it. But in order, again, to do that, you have to have the chips, you have to have the capability. And what this this is all about is getting the production up. So get the robots to do it, because they can work day and night and not complain and take tea breaks, and <laughs> gets the job done. You know, there, there's some irony here, eh, Stephen, this notion of we need more AI to produce more chips to give us more AI. We need we need exactly we need the chips to create the robots that can help create more robots. That's what we're building. We're building robots to build more robots. <laughs> but 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 again, I do think the ultimate the ultimate goal here, consumer wise, is to mean less shortages of product for consumers. Because again, people might think of this as oh, laptops, phones. This was everything. Why were cars so expensive during the pandemic? Because they could not get enough chips to continue car manufacturing, and especially with the surge towards electric vehicles, there's going to be a whole bunch of cars needed to be made here in the next decade. So again, it's a bit chicken and eggy, but it's all sort of part of the overall process. Yeah, and it's also important to say as well that it's about distribution of all of this, because once you've built these chips, you've got to get them to places. And if you can start creating a system that can essentially take that factory and put it somewhere nearby or put it in a different location that allows you to distribute more evenly, and again, not have to deal with all of the challenges of bringing in lots of staff. I mean, it's terrible. I feel like we're, we're talking ourselves out of jobs these days. You know, it's, it's like we yeah. can see the potential of these robots that can do it so quickly. And uh, within, it's just like, give up. Just forget it. 
just let's let the robots do it and it'll happen and it'll all be fine but it will make a big difference and like you say this will have a big impact on the future i mean of ai of course but on top of that all of the other devices that we use every day we all want new smartphones we all want new tvs new cars in order to achieve that, we need these chips. And yeah. Samsung are really pushing to get to that number one spot. Currently number three in the world uh, in terms of semiconductor manufacturing. They really want to get to that top number one spot because it's a very lucrative place to be. Mm -hmm. Hey, Stephen, thank you for this. Enjoy all the uh, coverage out of the Consumer Electronics Show this week. Talk to you a little bit later. Thanks, Dave. Take care. That is Stephen Scott. He's one of the hosts of Double Tap. You can find that show weekdays at noon on ami audio coming up after the break. Researchers are continuing to look at the impact of long COVID on people experiencing infection. Dr. Angela Chung will discuss the state of infection and explore some of the treatment options available. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.